Well, hey there, Heike Yates here, and welcome back to another episode of the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Before we dive in today, I know I've been talking up a storm about the four-week lean-out program, but it is starting again very soon, and I wanted to share one review from one of the women that participated in the program, and Kay says, Thank you for the opportunity to be part of your program, Heike. You are truly inspirational. Your ability to understand how we are all feeling and how you engage us to believe that we can do this. Thank you, sweet lady. Nano say thank you to Kay for leaving this amazing review about the program. And for anybody who has not checked out the program, I leave a link in the show notes for you to know about the four-week lean-out program, know exactly what it is and what it can do for you. Have you ever felt so passionate about something that after years of being with the same company and doing the same thing, and that's something that you love, but you leave that behind because your passion has become so strong? Today's topic is about passion to help support women-owned businesses to succeed in their venture and about two women who followed their passion to inspire others to pursue their dreams. Hi there, you're listening to the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I'm your host and fitness warrior, Heike Yates. And on this show, we empower women over 50 to take back their health and strength with sound fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies. Our guests on the show share their honest stories so that you'll have the courage to take action, knowing that you're not alone in your struggles. So welcome everybody. Today's guest is the sisters Amy and Nancy Harrington. They are the founders of the Paginistas Project Podcast and Paginistas Project Pack. They were inspired by the new women's movement to interview empowered women who are following their passions to inspire other women to do the same. Thank you so much for being on the show and welcome Amy and Nancy. Thank Thanks you. so much for having us. So happy to be here. Oh, this is so cool. Now, where did you guys grow up? Tell our listeners a little bit more about you and what was it like growing up together? Um, we were very close as kids. We've always been very close as kids. Uh, the family folklore is that when I was four years old and about to enter kindergarten, I um, ordered a baby sister from my mother so that she wouldn't be lonely when I went away to school. Um, and a few months later, Amy was born. So <laughs> I always thought of her as my baby, and uh, we've been best friends ever since. We grew up in a small town south of Boston, and um, we uh, went to a very small Catholic school with not a lot of uh, kids in it, so we were each other's entertainment. And, and uh, we've, yeah, we've been best friends our whole lives. Oh, cool. So you guys grew up in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, we grew up um, in a town called Braintree, which is about uh, half an hour south of Boston. And it's where uh, John Adams and John Quincy Adams were born. So it's a 
really historic little uh, town in the suburbs of Boston. Uh, I know the name a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with Boston, but not that, that close, but I've heard the name of the town. It's the yeah. end of the red line on the MBTA, so that's how most people recognize the name. It used to be. I don't think it is anymore. Yeah, I think it goes further now. <laughs> yeah, but that's how you are. Anytime you said that to somebody, it's the end of the red line. Exactly like, oh, one. of course. <laughs> yeah. So as, as you guys grew up, you went to different schools and different paths. So how did you guys, what, what happened after you left school and where did your passions go from there? Um, we actually, uh, coincidentally, went to the same school, but at different times. <laughs> we both went to Boston University. Um, I'm five years older, so I graduated first, and I, um, I always had the entrepreneurial spirit. Our dad was an advertising man, and he had his own advertising agency our whole childhood. So um, I inadvertently, I didn't realize I was doing it, but I inadvertently followed in his footsteps and started my own graphic design business right out of school. So, um, so I did graphic design for 10 or 15 years. And, and also later during that time, my husband and I opened a theater in Boston and we ran a theater. So I was kind of working 20 hour days and going crazy. But um, around 2000, we decided to move out to California and that's where Amy was at that time. So um, then our paths recrossed again. So I'll let Amy tell you her path to that point, and then we can talk about how we. <laughs> so Amy moved to California already. Yeah. yeah so I um, graduated college. I had spent a summer, the summer before uh, my senior year, half the summer in New York and half the summer in LA doing internships. And the day after I graduated from college, I bought a car and drove cross country and moved to California. Um, so I, um, I moved to LA. I worked on uh, a couple television shows, Matlock and uh, Lois and Clark. And oh my then, God, they're totally my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> She's just getting started. Hold on. <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. Um, so, and then from there, when I got on Lois and Clark, I started to get into visual effects. And so I ended up um, working at Warner Brothers. I helped start the um, first in-house in visual effects company that Warner Brothers had and then moved over to the studio and was the vice president of post-production and visual effects for all of the feature films at Warner Brothers. Um, I was in that job for about seven or eight years. So I worked on the, the first three Harry Potter movies, the Matrixes. Um, I worked on about 250 movies in one way or another. Um, so everything Warner Brothers did in the in the 90s, basically. And um, it was a great job. I loved it. I was very fortunate to have it, but there were um, there was restructuring at a certain point that um, I didn't really feel was going to be my path. And so, at the same time, Nancy was here, and she was um, working at an ad agency doing Academy Award campaigns for Merrimax. And we both realized at the same time, this is not our passion. This is not what we want to be doing. And if we're gonna leave these stable careers that we have let's do it Thelma and Louise style and hold hands and drive that car off the cliff together <laughs> that's what we did you both left your your so prestigious jobs and said 
we're out of here. We're doing our own thing. Yep. Yeah. So who yeah. said it first? Well, it's funny. I, it really coincided. Like, yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I, when I came to uh, California, like I said, I, I had always had my own business. And when we came here, we realized that until we were settled, either my husband or I had to have a steady job. It just wasn't going to, you know, we, we couldn't take that risk. So I got a job and I worked. And, you know, it's a nine to, I say nine to five, but it was really more like nine to 2 a.m. <laughs> um, and um, those hours sound light compared to what I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I, I think that I was just, from the day I started that job, I was looking forward to the time that I didn't have to do it anymore. And um, so I was always planning for it, but I think Amy got to the point in her job where she was feeling like it was a necessary step. So it seemed like it was the right time to do it together yeah I had I for years in my job I thought I was going to be at Warner Brothers forever which was um, a common thing for people in in the executive positions if you could hold on, hold on to those jobs you did um, and I my entire life was my uh, career I was obsessed with it and um, the restructuring was really so extreme and so counter to what I believed and I there were other things I just was I was getting bored you know after the the I was working on the third Harry Potter movie and they were asking you know how do you make Harry Potter fly and it was like well we've done this already for two movies we're going to make them fly the same way we have and so I just for me it was um it had been such a my complete passion for years and I realized I was bored with it and it was, I had always said to myself, this is a dream job. And if I ever get to the point where I don't like it anymore, I should let somebody else have it and let them live their dream because it's too good a job to have it and hate it. Um, and, and also at the same time, we had a friend who had, was starting a project, just trying to get a, a television network off the ground. And we were helping her try to do that in our spare time. So we had this project and this focus that we were working on together that all of a sudden we were like, look, that's not a paying gig, but maybe it will be. And let's, that was really our catalyst to have a reason to, I think, make what seemed like a crazy decision to everybody that knew us. <laughs> um, it was like, yeah, but we're working on this thing together, <laughs> you know? So in our minds, it wasn't even like that big up. I mean, it was a huge leap, but it was, there was a stepping stone to doing it at the time. So you guys came, came together and you cahoots and you said, all right, <laughs> so let's come up with what? <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent question. We floundered around for a while, I admit. Um, we, we did a few consulting gigs and we worked with some friends on other projects and we couldn't quite figure out what to do. And then we, um, we worked with our sister on a movie and we um, met a friend and he, um, we did a little freelance work for him and then he offered us a full-time job together. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, we were the creative force, I guess we could call it, behind a, uh, behind a retro website, which at the time was 
pretty new, like there wasn't a lot of them. And we did uh, content for 60s, 70s and 80s pop culture stuff. And we did that for a few years, but that was um, 2008, 2009. So the timing wasn't great. The website did not succeed. But at, during that time, we had kind of found this passion of focusing on pop culture and realizing, you know, that's our strength. We sat together for, you know, our whole childhood in front of television and watching movies and listening to, you know, cast recordings of musicals and, you know, pop culture was our passion. So we thought, let's try to turn this into a business. So, and we started doing interviews and we started writing about pop culture and, um, and then we, um, we met a woman named Karen Herman at the Television Academy who hired us to do some editing and some red carpet interviews. And then she um, gave us the complete honor of starting to conduct interviews for the Television Academy's archive, which was, um, these were four hour archival interviews with people in the television industry behind the scenes and on camera. And, um, and that's when we truly discovered our real passion. We realized we love interviewing people. We love these in-depth four-hour interviews that you take a journey through their whole lives. And um, so that sort of led, that was Pop Culture Passionistas. That's the company that we had for a few years. And then that led to Pop Culture Passionistas. you want to tell that story, Amy? The Passionistas Project? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then we, um, you know, we really loved doing the celebrity interviews and it was fun, but as, the world started to get a little bit topsy-turvy. We also felt like we wanted to be contributing something more significant. And we couldn't figure out what that was. We had wanted to do a podcast for a while, but we didn't want to just do another entertainment podcast. We didn't feel like we had an angle on that. That would be unique and interesting. And then um, the Me Too movement happened. And it just came to us one day that really what we should be doing was using our skills as interviewers um, to interview women and tell the stories of strong and empowered women who were following their passions because we felt like all of the stories we were hearing out of the Me Too movement were important, they were critical um, to be heard, but it was really depressing to just hear all of that uh, over and over again and we really wanted to um, supplement that with stories of really strong women who were were doing what they wanted to do on their terms so um so we decided and we did and we wanted to talk to women who weren't necessarily getting the press we didn't want to talk to celebrities anymore we wanted to talk to you know uh, restaurant owners and artisans and activists so we launched the passionistas project podcast um as a response to the Me Too movement, and and it's become our greatest passion. That now we now we really feel like you know we've gone through all these phases. Someone said to us recently, "You have your girlhood passions and you have your womanhood passions," and this is our this is our womanhood passion for sure. How did you come up with the name, the Passionistas Project? Um, it was when we were developing the idea for the pop culture passionistas and you know i don't i don't remember how we stumbled on it we were just tossing words around and you know i think i feel like at the time maybe it's just one of those things when you buy a red car you see lots of red cars but now i see the word a lot but back then it was a word that 
didn't really exist. Um, there was, you know, we, we looked it up and no one was using it. And there was, there was a, a, a urban dictionary definition of it, but I don't think it was an official word. And it just, it just pop culture passionista sounded great. And then we realized a few years ago that it was kind of fateful because it actually works better in the Passionistas project because now it's not about our passion, it's about everybody else's passion that we are shining a light on. So it was, I guess, I think it was just a little fortuitous. Because <laughs> you ladies interviewed over 1,300 people for your podcast from all walks of life. Well, we've interviewed over 1,300 people for our blog. We've done, for the podcast, we've done, um, we've, uh, posted, but yeah, we've posted 50 interviews. We've done about 60. Um, the, the bigger range of our interviews we've done for either for our, our blog or for our clients, like the television Academy. Yeah. Um, so we've had, we leading up to the, the passionistas project, we've really kind of honed our skill on all those other interviews. Yeah. And now we're about 60 interviews deep into the uh, passionistas project. Right. Yeah. yeah, and a good a good percentage of those uh, interviews were done either for the the Television Academy archive, those archival interviews that are the four hour interviews. We've done about seventy five of those, I think, and uh, and also we've done uh, the red carpet at the Emmys for you know, ten years, I think now ten or eleven years, and so that's you know in one afternoon you interview seventy five hundred people <laughs> so it's pretty crazy and intense but it's a lot of fun so really rack up the numbers pretty quickly <laughs> I looked through your impressive list of people that you interviewed and I was like oh I know that person oh that person oh look here oh look here so you have quite a celebrity list of interviewees or interview guests on your resume yeah. yeah, we've been really lucky. And, and, you know, some of them, like Nancy said, some of them are like <clears throat> these brief interactions on a red carpet. Um, but some of them, the, the archive interviews, we've had the great fortune of, you know, spending five or six hours with Julie Louis-Dreyfus and three hours with Ed O'Neill. And we got to interview um, Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams at Penny Marshall's house. So we have the distinct honor of having interviewed Laverne and Shirley together. And um, so, yeah, we, there, there are times when we've been so fortunate with the people we've been, we've interviewed. I'll be watching something and it'll be like, Oh yeah, we interviewed Carol Burnett. <laughs> right. You know, like you, we've, we have been, it's a, uh, what's that phrase about uh, ridiculous amount of fortunes that we've had. <laughs> So as you conducted all these interviews and you created your Passionista project, tell our listeners more about the project and how it led to what you guys call the Passionistas Project Pack. Well, um, the Passionistas Project just took off. We, um, we, once we decided we wanted to do it, we made a list of people, of women that we thought would be good guests. And the first guest that we really wanted to have was a woman named Natasha Case who started a company called Cool House Ice Cream. And she and her partner Freya um, started Cool House out of a broken down postal van that they had towed to the Coachella um, Valley for the Coachella Festival. And they sold ice cream sandwiches. And she has turned that company into a multi-million dollar global ice cream 
company, one of the few women-owned ice cream brands in the world. And um, so we knew we wanted to go after her, and we did. And she said yes, and we were thrilled. And, um, and then one of the smartest decisions we made when we started this was that we decided we were going to ask each woman that we interviewed to nominate a passionista. So uh, Natasha nominated a woman named Sashi Chandran, who owns a company called Tea Drop, and she makes um, dissolvable tea pressed tea, um, so you don't need a tea bag. And they're amazing, and they come in all sorts of flavors and varieties. And this just, she nominated amazing people, and it just spiderwebbed. And, and it's exactly the vision that we had in mind, is that we have created this community of women that are all sort of interwoven and know each other. And we, was, we keep saying we want to make a family tree of how this has grown into this amazing community of women. Um, and so we, we um, as we were doing this, we were thinking we would like to put their products on our website so that we can help promote what they're selling and sort of start an online store. And one afternoon we met with Sashi because she's become an advisor to us. I mean, she's an amazing mentor. And uh, she said, you know, instead of doing a store, maybe you guys should think about doing a, a subscription box. And we were like, huh, yeah, I've heard of those. <laughs> And so we went home and researched subscription boxes and said, yeah, that's what we should do. So we started a subscription box. It's a quarterly box. And each quarter is filled with products by women-owned businesses and female artisans. So that's just another way for us to support women and what their, their passions they're following and inspire other women to follow their passions. So do and in addition to the products, we also include, again, kind of just... Leaning on our interview skills, we include um, a card with about each product and a short Q&A with each woman so that you get to know the woman behind the product. And again, to inspire the women who are subscribing to the box to feel like following their passions is something that they too could do. How do you choose what's in the box or who does that? We do it together. We, we pick a theme. Um, and we try and do that, you know, uh, in advance. We have the next couple themes planned out. And then we do a lot of research about what we think would fit the theme. So, uh, for example, our last box was called Passionistas Pay It Forward. That was our spring box. And every product in the box is from a company that's either giving back in some way or is a charity that's founded by a woman. So... We had interviewed Carolyn Koppel, who's the founder of Aaron's Coffee Corner, and uh, her son Aaron is um, has a very has such a, a, a rare uh, illness that he they didn't think he was going to live past three, and he's fourteen now, and he's the only person on the planet currently that has this condition. And uh, she started a charity called Aaron's Coffee Corner with the goal of putting. Um, high-end coffee makers in the pediatric care units of hospitals. Um, so she, uh, we have a coffee sleeve, like those cardboard coffee sleeves that you get at Starbucks, but this is a cloth one, so it's reusable and eco-friendly. Um, we have, uh, you know, products where the, the women give back to um, give meals to local uh, local organizations or we have coasters that um, were made by a woman who gives money to 
fallen, the families of fallen heroes. Um, that's called the Homebody Society. And, um, and so we, we really try to find unique products. We try and, and find products where the women, you know, they're, so far, none of them have been major brands. You know, we've had Sashi Chandran, who Nancy mentioned before, in the box, and she's got a really great and big company. But we're really looking for, you know, the smaller businesses that are looking for a way to get their name and their product out. And, you know, we make sure we include all their social media and website information so that even if people don't want to buy the whole box, they can still find the women and buy their individual products because at the end of the day, that's our mission with the podcast and the box is to promote the women that we're, you know, we're involved with. Yeah. And I hope that many women that are listening to this podcast really took note of that because I know uh, that there's many women out there who, who just don't have the funds to promote their product or, you know, don't know how to get a really good, cool website up and promote their product and have technical issues or they just don't know even where to start to market. And I think those boxes are a great way to promote a small business and say, hey, test me out. Here is what I got. Please refer me to somebody else. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, we've seen, we're part of all these groups on Facebook and everything. We've seen a lot of women posting in these groups. I want to support, um, I want to support female businesses during this time. So post what your business is. And, and so we keep posting. You can, pr you can support, you know, six or seven, eight women-owned businesses at once with this box. Not only us, which is a bonus for us, but all these other women that are they're in the box. And it's a great way to, to build this community and support each other, too. We know, like, women who are in one box now know about the the other women in the box and they're sharing each other's information as well so it's it's really been great to see kind of the a spider web of how that is all working you know yeah i, I agree i like the idea of that we're and we women tend to do that more much more than men here mm -hmm. we talk about stuff and before we recorded this interview, I was telling guys that I'm starting to get bored because I don't get new stories because <laughs> my clients don't go anywhere at the moment. We're recording this. We're in the midst of the coronavirus. But, uh, and it's the same thing. Well, what did you do? Where did you go? It's sharing just things that might, we might find interesting or helpful to one another is so much more common amongst women. Now, when I think about the passionista project. I like that. I speak a little bit of Spanish, so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why do you feel it's important to follow your passion? Um, it fills your soul. <laughs> I mean, I think it's as simple as that. And I think, you know, the old saying, do what you love, the money will follow. I just think, I think if you're truly doing what you love, it's the key to a rewarding, successful life. And I think one of the things that we try to do with the Passionistas Project is to help women find their own definition of success. Um, you know, Amy and I both had quote unquote successful careers, um, you know, but because we were making a lot of money. So people thought that, that we were successful, but I was pretty miserable. I mean, I, I made some good friends at my job, but it was, it was not a happy time in my life and I didn't get to see my husband very much and I didn't get to spend a lot of time with friends and um, 
you know, it was very stressful. So I think that you spend, a person spends a lot of time of their life working. And so I think if you can make that time in your life something that you love to do, then what's that saying? You never work a day in your life, right? That's exactly <laughs> yeah. And I also think it's important to, to say that following your passions doesn't mean you have to make it your career. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's not easy to follow your passions. As Nancy said, it's not necessarily a lucrative life choice. Um, but if you're carving out time every week to learn how to do needlepoint or, you know, make your raised flower bed in your backyard, whatever that is, um, it doesn't have to be the way you make a living. It just has to be something you make sure you find the time to do because it, it, it will save you through the hard times or through the frustrating times. Mm -hmm. Can feeling passionate or being passionate help you be more confident? It's definitely helped me be more confident. Um, yeah. I, 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 uh, I was always a very, very, very shy kid and a pretty shy adult. Um, and you know, if you had asked me 10 or 15 years ago, if I was going to be going live on a video camera a couple times a week or being a guest on someone's podcast, talking about myself, I would have told them they were nuts. You know, there was no way I would have done that. I was, I was way too shy. Um, but now I don't really even get nervous doing these things anymore because I love doing it. I know that it's interesting. I know, you know, I always say to people when we're interviewing them, I'm never going to ask you a question you don't know the answer to. You know, we're just talking about things that we love. So, um, so for me, it's, it's completely boosted my confidence. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's made me really, I mean, I was always, we both were always very driven. I was very driven when I was at Warner Brothers, but it's just given me this drive. You know, I wake up every morning. We were talking before the interview that somebody we know said that they feel like every day is Saturday right now. And I know Nancy and I feel like every day is Monday because I wake up and I'm like, okay, this is my to-do list. And I, I, not, not, I have to get it all done, but I want to get it all done. And, um, and that just, you know, makes you stand tall in, in your, yourself and, plow through the day all of a sudden the day is over and i still have 30 things i want to do and learn and uh you know i think the knowledge you were talking earlier about technology and and you know we've learned so much technology we did not know how to do any of this when we started i think i can say you know for both of us there are very few jobs we've been given in our lives where we were qualified for the job when we got it. We learned along the way how to do what we needed to do. And that's certainly, I mean, even up to two weeks ago when we had no idea how to do a Facebook Live and now we're doing them twice a week, um, we figured it out. And we figured it out because we're so, it's so important to us to get those things done and to make them happen that nothing is going to stop us from figuring out how to do it which is really empowering. I agree. I agree. When I think back to um, where I am now from where I started my brand, the Pursue Your Spark, which is an online brand only, I had no idea of none of that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do funnels? How do you do email campaigns? I, I was like, 
I had no idea, and I know that my husband was more than once giving me an extra glass of wine because I was hyperventilating because I thought I screwed up a whole project and I lost it. Oh. And he keeps reminding me of, look, where you've started and from where you are now, you, your passion has brought you along the way to learning those skills that you now go, sure, let's record a podcast. No biggie, let's do this. Oh, we have no sound. I can fix that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, great. Yeah. And so this, this a podcast also, I think the start of your podcast created a whole community for you guys. Tell us more about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I think this Facebook Live things that we've been doing have brought it forward for us how much of a community we're actually creating. Um, we've sort of created this community that we're aware of, that, you know, these people know these people, and we introduce people a lot. You know, we met a, a woman who has a flour mill and a woman who has a farm, a, a hops farm, so we introduce them, you know. So it's, it's this, this great connections. But once we started doing these Facebook Lives and we were actually interacting with our community live, and they were coming and commenting and, oh, hi, Sue. Hi, Lisa. Like they knew each other. And it, to me, that was like the, the solid feeling of we've done it. We've created a community of women that know each other and that are interacting. And so now I just want it to get bigger and bigger. I can't wait for it to grow. Yeah, I feel like every day now we think of people that should know each other and are just like emailing them and saying, can we introduce you to so-and-so? And, and people are listening. Like we interviewed a woman the other day, uh, Sarah Koo, who has a skincare line. And she had listened to our podcast, you know, some of the earlier episodes. And she said, oh, you know, I was listening to one of the episodes. Um, and I heard this about this woman, Kaylee Hernandez, who uh, Sarah's company uh, sources their, um, their products from, the Philippines and Kaylee's sources her products from Africa and they're both young independent businesswomen and Sarah said you know I was wondering if you would mind introducing me to Kaylee because she seems like someone that I might really have a connection with and we were like of course and then once we did that we were like oh we should also introduce her to this person and and so that's been great and I also have to say selfishly um, you know, Nancy and I both come from worlds where we were um, in very male-dominated worlds. I, I can speak for myself to say I was often the only woman or only one of two women in a, a business meeting on most occasions. And, you know, I, I lived in that world where women didn't really support each other. And um, it was not something I was used to. And I do think the Me Too movement has changed that quite a bit. I think that women are much more supportive of each other in general now. And when we started this, I thought we were starting it to support other women, which is, is our main goal. But there was a day where we met a woman named Robin McWilliams at a dinner party. And we went, she asked us to have coffee. And so before the, the coffee meeting, Nancy and I were like, oh, you know, she's probably going to ask us if, for this, and this is probably what she wants, because that was the world we came from. Like, what what do the people want from us? And we sat down to coffee, and before we even could sit down, she said, what can I do for you guys? And we were shocked. And then we started to realize, 
more and more of the women we were meeting and, and interviewing and getting products from were asking us what they could do for us, which has been an incredible gift and something we didn't expect. And it has enriched our lives beyond measure. And, you know, we met you in a, a group on Facebook called Instagram over 50. And we've met so many women through that group who have just been incredibly supportive and really, um, you know, comment on each other's posts, like each other's posts, but have become friends, which when people used to say to me, oh, they're my friend, I met them on Facebook or Instagram, I would kind of, you know, roll my eyes. But it really, especially in times like this, we are making real solid connections with people like you through social media and it's really been transformative. So the, the Passion Uses Project has totally changed our lives. And like Nancy says, we hope it's, it's going to, it is doing the same for other women. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. It's like when you said, Oh, I have 5,000 friends on Facebook and you're like, sure. <laughs> and now those friends have gone away and we've all narrowed down our quote unquote air quotes guys, friends list. And said, now, who is the person that I can actually have a meaningful conversation? Who, when I say happy birthday to, I actually know that person? <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, I don't, who, why, why would you take the 30 seconds to wish me a happy birthday? That's nice, but I don't know who you are. Who are you? <laughs> what would you ladies tell other women how to start following your passion and overcoming obstacles that are potentially in the way of following your passion? What will be maybe two or three steps, ideas, or action steps that they could take and say, I want to follow my passion, but where do I start? How do I do this? What do I know what my passion is? I, I always like to tell women to go back to their childhood and think about what they used to do before anyone told them what they should or shouldn't want to do. Um, you know, I always think about those things that just bring you joy because they bring you back to a happy place. Um, and uh, as far as obstacles, I just think um, you have to be determined and you have to persist. And um, think of every obstacle as an opportunity to learn something. Um, Natasha Case, where it all started, the woman from Cool House Ice Cream has an amazing saying called, that's, that goes, uh, you can walk through a wall when you don't know it's there. And I think of that often because I really love it. It's just like, don't, don't think of the obstacles as obstacles. You know, think of them as a challenge. Think of them as a learning experience. And, you know, just persist. Yeah, and for me, I think the, the number one tip for me is don't be so sure that you know what your passion is. Um, the best advice I ever got was from a college professor who at the time I thought was an incredibly annoying person. And how did he, what was he even saying when he told me that when I moved to California, don't be so sure that I knew what I wanted to do because there were so many careers in the entertainment industry. And at the time I was convinced I wanted to write sitcoms and that's what I was going to do. And he said, you don't know, when you get there, you might find something you like more than that. And I, if I didn't listen to that advice, I never would have taken a job in post-production that led to, you know, my visual effects career, which was 10 of the greatest years of my life. Um, 
but I also, if I, if I had not considered the fact that Warner Brothers wasn't going to be my everything forever, I would not have found this new passion for the Passionistas Project and for doing interviews. So your passions can change and that's okay. I, I was really identified with my career at Warner Brothers by other people. And to this day, I have people from that time period say to me how amazed they are that I was able to, you know, they consider it recreating myself um, because they could never see me separate from that identity. And for me, I can't even imagine going back and being that person. So your passions can change and don't be afraid of that. And um, yeah, in terms of the hard times, you know, like Nancy said, every, everything I've ever thought was a devastating blow ended up being a catalyst to a really important, really good change in my life. So it's really hard. Just push through it, stay strong, lean on the people you can, personally, therapists, friends, whatever it is, and, um, and push through it and know that you are going to be stronger on the other side and something good is going to come from it. I love both of yours final words, so to speak. <laughs> I love it. Now, how can people learn more about you and get involved with the Passionistas Project? Uh, the easiest way is to go to our website, thepassionistasproject.com. And once you're there, you can um, listen to the podcast. You can get links to the subscription box to buy that. We have a Mother's Day special going on right now. We just launched our new summer box. Um, and also, while, <clears throat> while you're there, you can nominate a passionista. If you know somebody who you think would be a great guest on our show, you can find all our social media handles so you can join our private Facebook group. And, um, and that's where we hold our live chats twice a week with different passionistas. So that's the easiest way, passionistasproject.com. So you find you on Instagram, on Facebook, all pretty much under the same handle. Yeah, that's right. Very cool. Thank you so much for being here, Amy and Nancy. This was a pleasure chatting with you, learning all about the Passionista Project and what you do for the women out in this world. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having us. What an incredible story. What do you think? Let us know by reaching out to us on social media, Instagram or Facebook, at the Passionista Project or Heike Yates and the Pursue Your Spark podcast. And if you may be a woman who has a small business and would like some support and be part of the Passionista Project pack, reach out to Amy and Nancy who can help you with this. So with this, my friend, I'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Have an awesome day. Ciao.